All right, okay, let's go ahead and receive the word. Good morning. morning. (laughs) Kathy actually was right. We had changed it up, and I just forgot. We've had a long week at my place, and... um, I was going to hire out my whole family for coronavirus testing. So if you could smell us, that means you're all right. You'll get that joke tonight at midnight. You'll think it's really funny. But um, yeah, we, um, as of yesterday, we still didn't have water. Then we got a trickle, and then they turned that off. So yeah, we were six days in. But we did bathe yesterday. We did take a bath. So Miranda City had water, but we didn't. So go figure. But we're back. So you all survived the winter storm, huh? Good for you. And count your blessings, because even as bad as it was, it wasn't as bad as it's been up north. People are still dealing with a lot of issues. It's, it was historic. What's not historic is that these, these kind of things, remember I told you these kind of things were going to start coming up? You remember, remember last year? Maybe you should have paid attention, right? But yeah, we're living in a different seasons, you know? We were looking at 2021 as, okay, thank God 2021's here. 2021's telling 2020, look out, I got this. I don't know, man. It's, you know, the cool thing about the weather week was that nobody talked about COVID for a week. That was a relief. Thank God. Maybe COVID died with the freeze. I don't know. But it's amazing how the media controls us, right? Because for a whole week, we didn't hear about COVID. It was gone. Now that the winter storm's done, they're going to bring it right back up in your face, try to keep you scared and tie down. And like I said, be smart. It's not about fear, but there's a lot there that we just need to, um, you know, manage manage our fear, manage the things that the devil tries to control us with. So praise God for everybody. We're so glad that, your name again? Oh, yeah, Lauro. Lauro's back. <laughs> Did we miss them? Come on, give them a hand clap. Are they needed or what, right? <laughs> you guys are kind of like electricity. We don't know how much we need you till you're not here, right? It's like, so after the lights went out, it was like, okay, we don't really appreciate and then water, man, water is like this thing now. It's amazing. But praise God. I'm glad you're here this morning. Let's get right into the word and welcome everybody. And again, before I start, Lali, I'm just going to say one thing. I got a scripture for you because you've been such a blessing to this church. But Proverbs 19 does say in verse 21 that many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purposes that prevail. Just letting you know. So that's all I'm going to say. But we do love you. Thank you for all your help. And so she's planning to move away. That's, that's all I'm saying. But the Lord might have something else down the pipe. So. But whatever your plans are, Lali, you're still part of Faithway. Wherever you go, that's what we have online. I'm going to be checking, make sure you're logging in every Sunday, all right? And I just can't. But no, thank you so much. And, and like Kathy said, you know, that's opportunities for, you know, she, she, she covered so many areas here, and, and she would... She will be greatly missed, but that also gives an opportunity for some of you to step in, you know? Faithway's a family. We're not, we're not just a church. We look out for each other. And we, You know, the church is about, let me tell you, success of a church is when you take ownership. Man, that, that church goes to the next level. When people say that's, you know, and I'll tell you what happens. When you drive up down this highway and you're with a friend of yours and you say, oh, I go to that church, that's wonderful. But then, then one day you're going to say, that, I go to that, that's my church. When you say my church, everything changes in you because now you take ownership, you see your part, and everybody is needed. Amen? I've always said that the only big shot here is Jesus. We all just get a different job. I get the steering wheel. This is a, 
you know, the steering wheel of, a, of this great, great, great organization. But, um, you know, if we don't have other people running everything else, it's, I don't care how much you think this is the best job, you know. And if you say, man, I'd like to have pastor's job, I'll give you the keys. You can have it. <laughs> this, this morning was one of those mornings where, like, Lord, if I don't have to go, because this week was really, it was kind of long for us, and then I pulled my back as the last little thing, and then I cut my finger. I'm like, what else could go wrong, right? AJ is like, again, yeah. Maybe y'all should hide knives from me from now on, you know, so. But, um, you know, pulling water out of our horse trough to flush the toilets, I guess it was, you know, 20-something degrees, and I went down and pulled a five-gallon out, bending over the fence, and I guess that did something to my back. So I was like, okay, what else are we going to throw on this thing? But God is good, amen? And by the way, those songs you picked were great because I was thinking about those two things. I was thinking how faithful God is. This morning I was thinking about faithfulness, and then she sang about it, and talked about the Holy Spirit, you know, tuning you up. And you got to think about that. You know, if you're new to this, you might still be in that process, but if you've been here for years, just go back and think how faithful God's been. And not, and not only he's been faithful to us, he's been faithful in spite of us, right? There's so many times that God said have just given up on us, and he said, nope, I try. they'll get it right, they'll get it right. And he keeps showing up, you know, and even in this, um, this week, as, as, as trying as it was, we were blessed, you know. We, we, you know, we really didn't just being uncomfortable a little bit, but, you know, I've been a missionary, so we know what uncomfortable is, so it doesn't phase us. <laughs> we know how to go without light and water and all that, but, um, but he's faithful, you know. He's faithful, and, you know, a lot of, you know, you see that he never, ever gives up on you. So just be encouraged in that this morning, amen? His faithfulness is beyond anything any of us really understand. Someday we'll do a whole series on faithfulness. All right, let's get into the word. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. We thank you for the presence of God in this house, and we've come, Father, with an expectation to get information, not just get a good sermon, but something that we can take home, something that we can apply, something that will make a difference in our lives, and we give you glory for it in Jesus' name, amen. So a few weeks ago, you know, we started the series, so this would be week three, and my approach to this series was completely into trying to give you, the church, you know, the people that listen to us, what, you know, made the biggest difference in my life, you know, because when you talk about foundations, you can talk about a lot of subjects, and they're all good, and they're all real, but I was trying to talk about, you know, I was trying to find four, maybe five, I didn't want to go too extensive, so I did a lot of soul searching, and I was going through my own life and thinking, what are the things that really, really, really made this a big difference in our life, you know, and I guess the biggest one we talked about it three weeks ago, and I encourage you, if you weren't here, I always say this, and I don't know how many people actually listen to it, but we do a lot of things to provide you for the content, free, completely free of charge, you know, the podcasts are out there on both platforms, you know, Android and iPhone, among other places you can find our podcast, Facebook Live, all the sermons are archived, so you can go back into our page and find them, but the foundation that I started with was prayer, you know, you have to be able to talk to God. I mean, you, you know, every successful relationship, even in your life, it's not just a, not a successful relationship with God, even a successful relationship between a parent and children, between, you know, a marriage, between upper management and employee, everything is coming down to communication. And if people can communicate, you know, things grow. So I think that the big one is that we have to be able to have a communication system that we understand how God listens. And that's what that whole 
service was about. So if you still don't know too much about that, you need to go back and listen to it. Then the next foundation that I've, and I took two weeks, and two weeks is not enough because you should have seen <laughs> the struggle even this week to say, okay, I've got one more shot at this. What do I preach, Jesus? Is the foundation of faith. That's the biggest thing, you know, one of the biggest things that made a difference early in our life. I'm talking right in when my wife understood how faith worked. She was able to see the power of God heal her body that she had struggled since childhood, that it came down to understanding. So faith, you know, one of the greatest discoveries that I've had was that I found that faith can be used as a tool. And that, to me, you don't understand what a... Because I grew up in a, in a denomination, and it's not something you really hear from the pulpit. It just comes across. You know, I went to Christian school, so I had a lot of Christianity or Christianisms in my life. And it was pretty much, you know, God does whatever he wants to, and you just got to hang on for the ride, you know. And sometimes he does you good, sometimes he does you bad, and sometimes we don't know what God's going to do. And, and that attitude to me was always very confusing. But then when I came back to God after, you know, 14 years from running from God, I realized one of the very first things that I understood was that, no, we can use faith as a tool. And then so then my, then I want to discover what faith was. So when that, when that trek began, I could see it very simply. You know, I've always been in construction. I've always been around engineering. And in those kind of things, it's pretty simple. You know, you do this, one plus one equals two. Basically, that's how my life, that's how I'm wired. You know, very analytical, very simple way of looking at things. So it came to me to say, hey, you can take a promise and apply it to a situation, and the situation actually changes. And I thought that was so cool because before it was, well, Lord, help us and hope something happens, and now it wasn't just, Lord, help us and hope something happens. I could take the word and apply it to different areas of our life, and we still live that way, and we still do that. And, you know, I'm not going to take you through endless stories of, you know, almost 30 years of faith stories, but um, we see it work all the time, and I've seen it work in, in kids. I saw it work in my son when he was tiny, and he got a hold of it. It was believing God for a bicycle, and, and we saw it work, and it was just amazing how, you know, God sent his word for a purpose, and the more you understand just basic things, you know, because we have a tendency to try to complicate things, right? Make it, oh, it can't be that easy. No, it is that easy, but it takes a lot of discipline. But the other thing I discovered once, and this is part two. This is, I'm, I'm almost where we need to be. The other thing I discovered with on faith, you know, once I discovered we had a tool, which I thought was pretty cool, then I discovered that not only you, you could use it as a tool, then there's things in your life that you need to change for faith to work. And that's the part I didn't really want. I just wanted the tool. Anybody say amen? But then you found out that the tool doesn't just work, that, there are, that your character and your personality and your voice. So, you know, I came up with a simple conclusion that these are the three things you need to have an active faith. There are very three things on this screen now. So you need to be able to hear the word. We talked about that last week. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you are not listening to the word, you don't have faith. End of conversation. You can go to church every day of your life. There's people who come to church. Of course, that's not you this morning. And they don't listen to a word I say. They just come to church. And all those people say, no, don't say, watch. Amen, pastor. Um, you have to be able, you know, Jesus said it. He said, those that have ears make an effort to pay attention. So coming to church doesn't make you a Christian, like going to Whataburger doesn't make you a hamburger. You know, it just doesn't. You know, coming to church, you know, I'll read your scripture right now, you know, it says that the devil comes to church, you know. I mean, he's here, he, he knows what's going on. So what's, what makes the difference is not, and I think that's what, one of the dangers of religion, because religion creates these institutions 
If we just get to the building, we'll be fine. That is one of the biggest lies you could ever have. Because getting to the building doesn't do anything for you. What, what, you, what you leave this building with is what's going to make the difference. Amen. You know, you, now, so I'm saying always look for one word. You know, don't sit, sit there and say, well, I need to understand the whole message Pastor Boggs says. Oh, hopefully you'll get it. But if you can just get one word that the Holy Spirit will speak to you, you, got, you take that home all week and work it. And this is going to be that kind of message because we've learned that active faith comes by hearing and active faith is released by speaking. So now we have all these other things because, you know, you already discovered that you can use faith as a tool, but now we have, we're discovering that there's a lot of character issues that we need to change because, you know, if you're not listening to the word, there's no faith. And if you're, and if you're not listening to the word, where your words aren't changing. And hopefully, for those of you that have been around here for a little bit, hopefully your, your vocabulary begins to change. Hopefully, you know, because you get around, you've been around a, a, this kind of church for a while, and you get around people that don't have any idea of what we're talking about, and it sounds weird the way they talk. You notice that? Because people say, oh, I'm just so scared of this, and I'm so scared of that. But when you're around a faith environment, we don't talk like that. We don't talk about fear. We don't talk about, you know, destruction. You know, we, we have our, we've learned to control our words because, again, I'm not, this is kind of recapping last week, so I don't want to go to the scripture, but Mark 11, pretty much simple scripture, says you have what you say. And Proverbs, Solomon confirms it by saying the power of life and death sits on the tip of your tongue and you will eat that fruit. Well, I don't believe that. Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Spiritual law, you know. You can believe that going 100 miles down the highway is not going to cause the DPS to stop you. It doesn't matter what you believe. You're going to get stopped because it's the law. And spiritual law says you have what you say. So the, so the sooner you begin to take authority and discipline your tongue, and this is one of the hardest things, because guys, I've been doing this for almost 30 years, and it's still I say some of the dumbest things, and I also want to slap myself because when you're having a bad moment, you have a tendency to become all negative. Come on, just agree with me, because you know that's you. Thank you. So we're like, why would he even bring that up? And here's a big one, loving. That's what we're going to deal with today. Because active faith really has these three ingredients. So after what you learned last week, I'm trying to keep this as simple as I can, because, you know, we don't want to get so deep that, you know, we drown in revelation and have no application. So you're going to work on your hearing, your speaking, and your loving. In other words, what does that mean? And that's what we're going to address today. So let's get right into it. James chapter 2, verse 14 through 24. And um, if you have your Bibles, you can look on the screen. I, I always recommend the screen. is just, it's, it's, it helps you. Just, you know, it shouldn't substitute your study or go find them. But James, um, giving you a little bit of background, he was half-brother to Jesus, so he grew up with Jesus. You know, when I mean half-brother, why half-brother? Because Jesus' dad was God, and James' dad was Joseph. <laughs> they had the same mom, all right? Uh, Mary was mom to all of them. So he had some insights, and it's amazing because James did not become a follower of Christ until after Jesus was dead and gone, and res after the whole thing happened, he never believed him. You know, kind of like those of you that have a big brother that you can't stand, that was probably the situation, because you imagine living in this house, Lauro, and everybody using the example, well, you should be like your big brother Jesus. I'm like, hello, mom, he's God, are you kidding me? How can we ever be that? But, you know, so it's kind of a weird dynamic, because even in, in the life of Jesus' ministry, him and his family, you can read it. They didn't, they weren't like, 
It was kind of like Hebronville families, right? They kind of just stopped talking to each other for a while. You, you see that pressure, but, but James comes to the revelation, and then he becomes the pastor of the most persecuted church, which is in Jerusalem. So the, the, the life of James is super interesting. But anyway, so he's um, another interesting thing about the book of James, and I really do like the, the letter of James. It, it, some people call it the Proverbs of the New Testament because it reads like a proverb. It has like these insights, you know, and so forth. So let's look into this because this is really important. So we've been talking about faith. We've been talking that, you know, grace, you are saved by grace through faith. In other words, you know, faith is free. Grace is free. You, don't, you can't do anything to obtain either one of them. And that's where the confusion comes because some people say, oh, if I work hard enough, no, 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 that doesn't get you any brownie points in heaven, amen? Believing that Jesus is, is, is God, believing that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that's what gets you into heaven. And then everything comes, it's a free gift. But you had to believe the story of Jesus, and then you spoke it. Remember that? You said, Jesus, in some form or fashion, you said something to the effect to say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. And Jesus will not come into your life unless he's invited. So once you did that, now you're a believer, and you believe, and hopefully you all believe, that, if, that the moment that you leave this earth, your next breath will be in heaven. That's what we all believe, right? And I believe my loved ones are up there, my, my mom, my dad, grandpa, grandma, a lot of good friends of mine are in heaven today. Well, all that process is still how faith works. You heard the gospel message. You chose to believe it, not with your head, but in a deeper place of your being. And then what did you do? You spoke it. That's faith, right? Well, that's the same process for everything else in your life. You know, how do you know, how do you stay protected under this pandemic? How do you stay protected when all the craziness and, you know, how do you keep, you know, your marriage together? Your, how do you, you know, what's the promise to keep your kids, you know, pointed toward God? It's all the same thing. What did the word say? You heard it? Do you believe it? Yes, I believe it. Then you put it in your mouth. Amen? And that's really the, th the key because when your circumstances tell you that it's not working, that's the hardest time to actually stay and say, no, I don't go by what I see. I don't go by what I feel. I only go by what the Word of God said. And that's when it really gets real because your whole world can be burning down and the, and the Word of God says, hey, I, li I like James because he starts some of this stuff like, hey, count it all joy. When all your diverse persecutions and trials come, I'm like, really, James, you had to start with that? Because nobody wants to count it all joy when, when all hell's breaking loose in your house. Amen. You want to complain, you want to cry, you want to yell. And it's, and it's kind of an effort. And I remember even this week in our house, primarily the three of us, you know, my kids would come and go, but, you know, under the adverse circumstances, because, you know, for the first few days, no, no water, no electricity. Some of you went through that, um, you know, cold for us. And pretty, I mean, it was pretty cold. And, you know, we decided, no, we're like, you know, even if you wanted to get a hotel, there were no hotels anywhere. And, but, you know, we started counting our blessings. Hey, because of my work, I got a little generator. Made my, our life a little bit better, you know. Uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't perfect circumstances, but, hey, you know, we didn't have water to flush the toilets, but there was a water trough outside that I watered my horses, and, you know, I just had to go break the ice. That sounds so weird in South Texas, right? But I literally, we had to go break the ice, but, hey, we can flush the toilets. So, you know, even in trials, we were thanking God. And 
You know, we were there all huddled up and cold and with a generator. But, you know, we have priorities because the generator was running the things that matter most in our house. The TV, the internet, and the coffee maker. And not in any specific order because coffee maker could probably be on top of the list. That first day we didn't have electricity. It was so cold in that house. We were all cuddled up in the bed and it was freezing. And I get up and I said, ah. I'm going to go make me some coffee. And Kaden goes like, yeah, we don't have electricity. I said, you watch, boy. <laughs> I was out there freezing. I could, the, the, the generator was frozen. I still had a little bit of water. They hadn't cut our water, so I'm watering it. That thing finally cranked up. I'm like, yes, coffee. Coffee's coming, you know. So we got our priorities. But, you know, those little things, we count them a blessing. Or you could just make a choice, say, oh, look at this mess. No, we just kept saying thank God. And then when electricity came on, we were really thankful. Because we still didn't have water, but we were like, thank God we have electricity now. You know, and, and I think that just, you know, you begin to see that, that James said these things. that counted all joy. But you see, it's still a faith thing, right? You still got to let that word go in your heart. And now that it's in there, you have to make a decision. Do I go with what the Bible says, or do I just sit here and complain and gripe with everybody else? And make things that much worse, right? So, you know, anyway, I don't want to get completely sidetracked. So, now we end up with this place, because this is a big question. I mean, even there have been like theological wars fought over what I'm going to teach, because they say, Pastor, if grace is free and faith is free, why are we supposed to work? No, it's not. This is where people get misunderstood. You don't work to get grace. Are you here? You can't do it. What are you going to do? Put yourself on a cross? I mean, Jesus already did that. that that's what we learned last week in Romans chapter 10. Remember that? If you don't, go back. It says, you know, you can't say, oh, Jesus come from heaven or Jesus be raised up from the dead. He said, that's not faith. You know, Paul's making that statement. He said, you know, you get faith by hearing God's word. You get to heaven by accepting God's word. You know, there's, you, don't, you can't work for that. that. You know, in the Old Testament, and not even all of it, just in the section of Levitical law, which is a big part of it, the, the, the covenant that God made with the nation of Israel, it was about works. If you did, God did. If you did, God did. If you did, God did. And the reason God put that is to prove them that they weren't that good because they could never meet. There were 630-something different laws. Before that, it wasn't about that. It was about a friendship. Remember that. So faith is not about, well, I have to be, you know, I, I need to do good so God will bless me. No, God on your life will cause you to become a good person. You know, you're, you're, the Bible goes on to say that your works actually are like dirty rags. That's like, well, that's pretty negative. No, it's not. Just meaning, you know, if you think you can work yourself into heaven, you're making a mistake because it doesn't matter how good you are compared to what Jesus did, your work is dirty rags. That's what that means. So now we end up with this because there is a work that comes after faith, and that's where, you know, that's where I think a lot of people miss it because you could get last week's message and say, man, this is good. I got this. I'm going to go work it as a tool, and that, that was where I was. But then I found out that that wasn't the only requirement. We had to deal with this. So let's go ahead and, and, and get into it. You can follow. I'll just read from my notes. My dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? How can this kind of faith save anyone? For example, if a brother or a sister in the faith is poorly clothed and hungry and you leave them saying, goodbye, I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat, but you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup, what good is your faith? So then faith that doesn't involve actions, I like this line a lot, is phony. Whoa, now we're, gonna, we're starting to see because 
what, what, what Paul, is, I mean, what James is saying, he's saying, look, there's a lot of people that say they're all it, right? And I, trust me, I have a lot of them in my life, and I had a very long um, conversation with somebody like that this week on Facebook. Um, you know, and people can talk, and people, you know, people say, well, we all need to have this conversation. We all need, yeah, 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 it's awesome. But at some point, you're going to need some action behind your words. Because all talk is all talk. Are you here? Um, you know, if somebody tells you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, and every action they do is, tells you something else, at some point, stop saying that you love me and start showing me that you love me. Does that make sense? You know, actions, you know, they speak louder than words, right? So faith is the same thing. You know, you can say, well, I'm, you know, because here's where we're going with this. First of all, what is faith? We already talked about, well, you know, it's, it, where does it come from? It comes from God's word. So faith carries the essence of God. You agree with that? So what is God? God is love. Here we go. So you can say you have all this faith, and, and I'll be honest with you guys. I, I say some statements, but you guys learn by now. I don't, I don't really care to, you know, I'm, I'm not here to hurt anybody, but I don't really care what anybody thinks. You know, at my age of my life, what we've seen is like, whatever. <laughs> you don't agree with me, I still love you. But some of the meanest people I've met are Christians. Amen. I'm not looking at any today, hopefully. But, you know, some people that call themselves Christians and they'll betray you quicker than somebody from the world or backstab you or rip you off. Or, and you begin to wonder what, where's, where's all this going. And I think this is where the context of James comes in because he says, if, you know, you can say you have faith. Faith comes by hearing. But at what point does that faith translate? You know, our, our church in Laredo is, you know, still a very small campus. But we, they took on a, a situation with a gentleman that we're helping that, you know, got out of prison, and he's doing good. He's at a halfway house, but he really didn't have any help, and, and um, we've been helping him. And I was there with one of our church members. We went to visit this guy at his house. He can't leave his house because he's got the monitor and stuff. And it was super, super cold. But it, it, it spoke such a, a, a blessing of who this guy is. I'm talking about the guy from our church that, that was kind of leading this project. Because we got to talking, and he's working at a warehouse, and of course, it's been very, very cold. And, and he says, we asked him, so do you have any jackets or coats? And he says, well, this is all I have. And it, to be honest, it wasn't sufficient to the kind of weather we were dealing with. And I told him, I said, well, I'll go to Walmart. I'm going to buy you some stuff. And I, I picked up some boots. But before we left, this other gentleman, it was pretty cold that morning. It was you know, probably in the 30s when we went to talk to him. And right before he left, you know, he did exactly what that scripture, and, and it spoke so high of this gentleman you know, I'm talking about the one that goes to our church because he said, what size do you wear? And he saw him, so here. And he took off his coat, and it was a really nice, you know, one of those um, kind of a, like working coats, and the fire resistance and all that. I mean, that's, you know, that's a $120, $130 coat. He just ripped, took it off and says, here, put it on. And he walked out with a T-shirt. And the thing is, H, he had a T-shirt that says Sturgis, and I said, can I have the T-shirt? And he said, no, I can't have the T-shirt because, <laughs> you know, the motorcycle thing. But... Um, <laughs> you know, he walked out, and I said, you know that? And I told him, I said, you, you know, you're the kind of guy that doesn't just say the word, you actually do the word. And that just happened just last week, you know, last, I guess it was last Saturday. So, you know, these kind of things are the kind of things that, that we're looking at because faith, you know, you can fill yourself with God's word, but at what point does the love of God that faith carries begins to transform your heart? And that's exactly what James was saying. He says, you know, what does it matter that you say you're all it? If there's no actions to back up that, you're all it. And I think that is one of the things that I hope and I believe that Faithway has been characterized by it is that 
you know, we don't say a lot of things, but when we say something, hopefully, <laughs> maybe somebody will say, no, you didn't. But I think you can almost take it to the bank that we do what we say. You know, if we, you know you've never, no, we've never ripped anybody. If we say, hey, we got a project in Cuba, we need $20,000, you know, those $20,000 are going straight to Cuba. You know, we're not taking, you know, 18 to go on a vacation and send two. Because faith without works is dead. You know, and I think that is one of the things where people are missing it because, you know, you can build all your system on faith, but if it doesn't translate into to being a human and being a blessing because the covenant is about the blessing. So if you just are faith, 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 me, 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 you know, use it and, and it works, but at, at some point you're going to slow down your process because God did not just give you faith for you. He gave you faith to change humanity. That's what the blessing's about. All right, so... Let's keep reading, you know, but I like that last line. So faith that doesn't involve actions is simply phony. And, I, and, and again, this is not a judgment. You're not judging people, but when people walk around and say, oh, I'm this and I'm a Christian, I'm that, that's wonderful. I, I don't judge that. But at some point, you're going to have to show me the money. Right, show me something. You know, you can say you're this, but you're going to have to show it to me. And I think that is one of the things, you know, we, we shouldn't be looking for people in that context, but we should be looking into our life in that context and say, am I a phony? That's a tough question, right? <laughs> you know, because one of the things I can't stand is phony preachers. So as a preacher, sometimes I put that own light on me. Am I a phony? Do I come up here and tell you guys something that I'm not doing or try to teach something that I'm not willing to, to pursue? Because we're all on the same journey. Do you agree with that? Hopefully you agree with that. I don't, I don't have all this down. You know, I, I might have been doing it longer than you, but I still need grace. I still need, you know... Here in this building, I'm under a scrutiny that none of you are. Because here's a preacher preaching. I got my wife sitting there. I got my son back there. You know, my daughter goes to Laredo Church. My, my grandkids are here. So they're going to listen, and then they're going to go like, hmm, that's not the guy that we live with. Are you, are you willing? You know, you understand what I'm saying? You, you are, not that you're doing it to justify, but make sure you understand that you're not phony wherever you are. Because people, even if you have 10,000 10, hang-ups, it's better to say, I have 10,000 hang-ups and be real and let God help you process some of these things to say, oh, I got this, I'm perfect, no, I don't need Jesus. No, you don't, you all need Jesus. But this is the thing, faith that doesn't involve actions is phony. And I, I truly believe that statement. Let's keep reading. Now, verse 18, it says, but someone might object and say, well, one person has faith, another person has works. Well, go ahead then and prove to me that you have faith without works. And I like this statement here, it says, I will show you faith by my works as proof that I believe. And that's what I mean, because when you hang around here, you hear things that the world thinks is weird. Because you know what you never hear in the world? I'm believing. You run around with us, you're going to hear that a lot. I'm believing. I'm believing what? I'm believing, you know, 10,000 things. So we are believers. We have a tendency to believe for things. But, you know, James is, is, is bringing it out again. He said, all right, if that's a thing, you know, Let's, 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 you know, let's get it into action because my faith is controlled by this, you know. So let's say, um, yeah, we're on the same place. But someone might object, say one person has faith, other person has works, all right. Verse 20, well, verse 19, so we flow into uh, to the rest of the reading. You can believe all you want that there is one true God that's wonderful, but even the demons know this and tremble. Remember I told you that? Even the devils know what's up. Yet they're unchanged. They remain demons. And I thought, wow, what a statement that nobody ever preaches on. You ever heard a sermon on that one? <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, they preach on this, but they never preach on that one because the comparison is actually pretty brutal. In other words, he's telling you in no uncertain terms that if you're not have works with your faith, you're just like a devil. <laughs> That's exactly what James is saying because you know what? The devils believe in God, but they have no action in the goodness of God to prove that they believe. So they, they acknowledge the existence of God and James, you know, he just pretty much being blunt to you. He says, so if you believe in God, but there are no corresponding actions in that faith, what's the difference between you and a devil? You know, and I know I'm pretty blunt, but I'm not that blunt. I've never looked at you and said, well, you bunch of demonized church people. You know, I've never said that. <laughs> you can believe all you want that there is one true God. That's wonderful. But even the demons know this, and they tremble with fear before him, yet they're unchanged. They remain demons. So in our case, it's not that we would remain demons, but you know what the, the translation would be for the human? You remain an unbeliever. You can say you're a believer. You can go put it on Facebook. I'm a believer. And you can get 1,000 likes, people saying, yes, he's a believer. But if there's not one work to prove your faith, you're just deceiving yourself, right? And then, you know, in, in the good old James style of sarcasm, because <laughs> James has a lot of sarcasm in it, in a good way. He says, oh, feeble sons of Adam, that means all humanity. But he goes off the, off the top by saying, you're weak. Do you need further evidence? One more, he says, faith divorced from good works is phony. Once again, so now if you didn't get it the first time, he's going to bring it up again. So, you know, he's bringing this thing out, says, we have grace by God, we have faith by hearing, but now we need application of it, all right? This, this, we're almost where we need to be this morning. So, wasn't our ancestor Abraham found righteous before God because of his works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Can't you see how his action cooperated with his faith and, his, and by his action faith found its full expression? So, for those of you that don't know what's going on in verse 21, I'm going to give you the the one-minute story of what happens here. I, don't, I can't spend a lot of time, but in, in God dealing with Abraham, first of all, Abraham ha can't have any kids. His wife can't have any kids, but God promises him a child. Now, they're pushing 100 years old, so they're not, you know, these aren't teenagers. These aren't young people. Well, Isaac is born, all right? Now, Isaac, you fast forward about 12 years. He's about 12 years old, and God says, I need you to offer a sacrifice. Well, sacrifice back then, you would take a goat, and you would cut it, you would kill it, and the blood would be the sacrifice. And that would be, you know, that's what they did to honor God and, and so forth. But he, he, and God never, asked, if you read the Bible, some people say, oh, God was so unjust, he asked Abraham to kill his son. God never, God never said that. I mean, you got to read carefully. He says, take your son Isaac, go with him, and you're going to go worship me. But Abraham knew what was, what, what was the deal. He said, well, we don't have a ram. We don't have a lamb to sacrifice. So the sacrifice was going to be his son. You know, and but you got to read more into it because you got to go to the book of Hebrews, get a little more insight of what happened. But the point of it is that, that Abraham knew something. Abraham was so convinced that God had given him Isaac and that Isaac would be his lineage. Abraham was completely convinced. You can read this in Hebrews 11. You're not going to find it in the, in the Genesis account, but you're going to find it in Hebrews 11. That he, he walked into that situation knowing that God would raise, Abra, raise Isaac from the dead. He knew it. 
He said, I'm just going to sit back. I'll cut this kid open, all his guts and blood. I'm being gross, but that's exactly what's going to happen. And I'm just going to sit back and watch the show because God's going to put all that whole thing back together again. He was convinced of that. He said, because God promised me that kid, and he said that that kid would be the father of many nations, and you can't be a father if you're dead. Right? He had an image inside, and we're going to that, of what God had promised. And was, was, was some say, why did God test Abraham's faith? God did not test Abraham's faith. God, this is, again, this is a rabbit trail to help you understand, but this was about covenant. And if God could get his covenant partner, his covenant friend, to do that, the time was going to come when God the Father had to sacrifice his own son. And now he was committed to that covenant that Abraham, so if, so if God would have had a second moment to say, well, maybe I, sh- I don't want to put my son through the suffering because he suffered. Like it or not, he suffered. All the way to hell he suffered. He could not do it because for him to not let Jesus go through that, he would have to violate this covenant because his friend already did it. You see, you see the point? That's what this was about. This wasn't about, well, I'm going to test your faith. It was about, all right, are we in this together or not? And I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned here because Here's something, you, you know, you can learn out of this. Anything that God asks you to do, as difficult as it seems, or as broke as you think you're going to become, because, you know, I've been there where he asks you to give significant amounts of money, or forgive somebody that you don't feel like forgiving, or doing an act of love that you don't feel like doing. Trust me, as uncomfortable as it is, you're going to benefit in some form or fashion from just simply obeying God. Not questioning everything, If God said it, you do it. Because that is real faith. But what are you doing with your faith now? You're putting it to work. And that's really what God is saying. He says, okay, y'all got a lot of faith? All right. How about forgiving that person that was so horrible to you? Well, I don't know if that's a faith act. Oh, yes, it's a faith act. Because he said, forgive. Are you still here? You know, and you can say, well, I'm a faith person, and I go to church and everything. And then we ask about, let's say, there's a crisis in Cuba. There's a situation in Cuba. There's a family in Heavenville that maybe needs help. I don't know. But you find out about it, what do you do? Well, I'm just going to pray for you. James said, they don't need prayer. They need help. Because we, we spiritualize everything, right? Somebody comes up and says, well, you know, I'm going through this crisis. Well, I'm going to pray for you. When the person doesn't need prayer, they need some money. Well, I lost this side. I'll go this side. See if you, this side. They just grunted. Think about it. Your faith is being tested at this level. He's not testing your faith by breaking your legs. Because no loving father is going to test your faith by hurting his kids. But he will test your faith by acts of kindness. Isn't that what James talked about? If you have two coats and your brother doesn't have one, in the case of this guy that we went into, I'm sure he had other coats at his house, but to see that was blessed me so much that to see him pull off his coat and say, here, brother, here's your coat. Because, you know, the, 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 he didn't have to pray about it. We didn't say, okay, Pastor, we're going to pray because I, I just have a feeling I'm supposed to. No, no. There's no re- Here's the thing. Let me help you about praying about it. You don't need to pray about it if the Word already said it. You know when you need to pray about it? When, you, when God is dealing with you in some area that you're not too clear about. But when God says, bless those in need, there's no prayer involved. Come on, church, talk to me. So in the, in the way, well, let's pick it up. So Abraham was found righteousness by faith, but his action, that's what James is explaining about this action of Isaac, verse 22. Can't you see how this action cooperated with his faith 
and by his action, faith found its full expression. And I like that last statement because, to me, faith cannot be fully expressed until there's an action related to the faith. Are you tracking with me? You know, if you believe God can heal you, then at some point there should be a manifestation of health. Right? And you, and you, and you start at baby steps. Don't, don't be all, well, I'm not there. You know, I'm telling you people, if you get a headache, a slight headache, before you reach for Tylenol, nothing wrong with Tylenol, try your faith. See if it goes away with faith. I mean, what's the worst that happens? Well, it didn't go away. Well, then take your Tylenol. But you know what? At least you tried it. At least you were bold enough to say, you know what? I'm going to try this faith thing. I'm going to stand here and put your hand on your own forehead and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I lay hands on the sick and they recover and I am healed by Jesus' stripes. Amen. And this headache's got to go because, you know, your word says, and you just quote word and, and that's faith. And there's what's going on? There's an action now. You just don't sit there and say, well, I know God heals. Oh, this is a bad headache. Let me get my Tylenol. I know God can take away headaches and you're just popping pills. I'm not, I'm not knocking medicine. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You know, I, I, I was almost called H this morning because last night, my daughter, she works, of course, she works in the medical field, and, and I had this back pain. Like, H knows what I'm talking about because he saw me go through some of this years ago. Well, it was that intense. I hadn't had that pain for years. So she, she brought me this medicine, and I didn't know what it was, and, and I kind of looked at it, but it was some kind of muscle relaxers, and she said, take two. No, like, I ain't doing that. I mean, I don't hardly take medicine, guys. I'm like, I'm not an anti-medicine guy. I just don't take it. Man, this morning I thought I was like, whoa, what did she give me? Jesus. I mean, like, are you kidding me? I thank God for hot coffee, man. Coffee got it back where it needed to go, you know, because I was like, whoa. I was like in this daze, and I'm like making coffee, and I was about to call. You're trying to kill me, girl, or what, you know? Yeah, pain left, but a bunch of other stuff left, too. I couldn't think straight. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, that, I'm not doing that again. I'll just, <laughs> I, was, I, I had really thought about age. <laughs> Do I drink milk or what? <laughs> I don't even know what it was, but it was, some of you like, can I have them? No, you can't. I, I, know, I know y'all. I know how you guys are. Don't you think I don't know y'all. Come on, let's finish this. So the scripture was fulfilled. I like that because what fulfilled the scripture? Pay attention. His action. God gave him a son. God, gave him, God manifested the promise. God gave him an instructions. And everything's, everything's rocking to this point, but it's not fulfilled until the action comes. And I think that's where a lot of believers... So I'm really, really, I'm really I'm working you into one really one main action. And this is where it all comes together. Let me just finish this. Because Abraham believed God, his faith was exchanged for God's righteousness, so he became known as the lover of God, some translations say as a friend of God. So now it's clear that a person is seen as righteous in God's eyes, not merely by faith alone, but by his works. So righteousness is also something that comes by working the faith, not working. Understand this, church. You're not working to become righteous. You're already righteous. But there's works in righteousness. And those works are about being human, you know, being a blessing, being out there where nobody else wants to do anything. You, God has prompted you to, you know, that you're the answer to somebody's prayer. That's the work of righteousness, amen? Now, the biggest one of all these things, that's why I'm saying, you know, I gave you three things in the back, right, right at the beginning of this thing, which was you need to hear, you need to speak, and you need to love. Now watch where this love thing comes in. 
Because this is scary. I just put it up here once. I said, love is the fuel. You know, it says, the scriptures that I'm going to give you, it says, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Right? Those are the three things that will last forever. But look what Paul said. He said, and the greatest of these is love. So you can have faith, you can have hope, but if you don't have love, it's not going to work. So love is the, really one of the key ingredients. Well, I thought, Pastor, you were talking about works. Yes, I'm talking about the work of love. And I'm not talking about loving those that, you, that are lovely to you, because Jesus said there's really no merit in loving those that are lovely to you, where the merit really is, is in loving those that hate you. Uh-huh. See, this is where I told you that you, dis, you can discover that faith is a tool, and that's awesome, and I hope you learned that, but then you're going to soon discover that also the requirement of faith is to mold your character and to be more like him. When you get to the point where you don't hold a grudge, when you get to the point where you can forgive people, where you get to the point where you actually bless those that curse you. Amen? All right, let me show you this one. We'll, we'll throw this one right in the middle because this is the one that really, to me, I, I, I've dealt with this on my personal life. James, again, chapter 3 says, if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, you glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom... That's interesting because he's talking about what wisdom? A natural wisdom. You know what the natural wisdom is? If you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Right? That's how we think. You know? Vengeance, right? Oh, come on, Mexicanos. You know, we're Mexicans. Ooh, we're like... <laughs> you know, in my family, growing up, my dad was, he was great, but he was very vocal, and there, he was always, you know, I'm not going to say, he wasn't really, he wouldn't call, not, not, not a strife causer, but he was the one that would just blow up and yell at everybody and stuff. But it was funny because he'd blow up, but then he was over it. Like, you know those people that are like, they're really mad, and then like 10 seconds later, they're like, fine. But then my mom's nature was, if you hurt her feelings, she would get quiet, and she wouldn't talk to you for like three weeks. And I kind of got my mom's side because that's who I am. You know, if you, you know, if my dad was like explode and my sister was more like my dad because they, they'd actually get like in a fight, like, like whoa, they're going to kill each other. And then they were fine like five minutes later. But we weren't. You know, we'd pout. Anybody? For a long time. So, you know, but this is the thing, you know, strife, anger, infighting, bickering, you know, tail-bearing, it is sad to say that in the church, it's just as bad as the world. Amen. I keep saying, not this church, but maybe I should stop saying that. Maybe even this church, right? Porque aquí, we're like, oh, brother, oh, sister. And then as soon as you get out and you can't leave because somebody backed up, I can't believe they parked their car right here. And I know who it is, too. I know that license plate. And, and then you wonder why faith doesn't work. You sit here for an hour, listen to a wonderful faith message, get in the parking lot and throw a fit. I guess, I didn't get no amens because it's getting real now, right? <laughs> so people, you're missing, because you know, and that's, I think this is the great sadness of faith, because you know, you know how I learned this? Because that was me. I would spend hours working my faith up, but then Monique and I were always fighting about everything. Amen. See, I'm honest enough to say how we deal, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. Fighting about every little tiny little detail, Every little dumb stuff, you know, and really, then you wonder why doesn't faith work? Well, he tells you why faith doesn't work. He says, where there's strife, 
He says there's a wisdom, or there's a natural thinking that you think, well, I'm right, you know, nobody's going to offend me. He says that, that is earthly, that is sensual, that's devilish. He says, for where envying and strife is, pay attention, this is one of those key, key scriptures to make sure your faith is working, you have to deal with envying and strife. You know, somebody drives up in a new car and you just turn all green, and then you wonder why you don't get a new car? Always fighting, always drama. And I, I, this is my little note. That's not the Bible, by the way. I just put less drama, more power. How about that for a word this morning? Less drama, more love. More love, more peace. I'm totally done with drama. You want to bring drama in my life? I'm not going to listen to you. I love you, but I'm, I don't have time for drama. Even in my house, you know, we've kind of, you know, like in my, when I grew up in my house, you know, my parents were very, well, they were both professors, so they were like at a level of everything gets talked out, and my dad would yell, and my mom would get offended, and she wouldn't talk to anybody for three weeks. But it was never really loud. But now, on the contrary, I'm going to put this on a little bit. When I met Monica, her whole house was like a Mexican soap opera. That was a whole different, huh? Am I telling the truth? They were so intense in their house. When I first met her, we were sitting at the dinner table one time. You gotta understand, I've known my wife since I was 16. And she wasn't my wife at 16. That's when I met her. And we're sitting, and, and they're all into this big conversation, and they're talking about how the veterinarian, you know, was cheating on this guy with his wife. And it's like, and they're all into it. And I'm like, they're like very quiet because I'm just new to this family, and everybody's sitting at this big, massive table. You know, like you've seen the movies? And they're going on and on and on and on and on and on. And when I'm done, I was like, and everybody's like, no, no, you know, just like Mexican soap opera. <laughs> Monica's laughing because that's, I'm describing her house. And after that whole conversation, I said, what was that about? I said, what's going on? That's a, she said, oh, no, no, they're talking about a, a soap opera. The whole company, they were talking about a soap opera that was so real to them and with so much emotion that they were the soap opera. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know. But, but one thing that, that I'm, I'm going to, in her house, there was always strife, right? Everybody's fighting against everybody. And, and here's the key, where there's envying and strife, there's every confusion, every evil work. And I think Christians, we got to mature, because you're getting these foundations. This series is called Foundations. You got a prayer foundation. I'm teaching you a faith foundation. We're going to deal with some other ones in the next few weeks. But if you don't deal with this thing, I can teach you foundations till Jesus comes, and it won't make a bit of difference in your life. Because you're the one that has to deal with strife. Strife is one of the most, strife is all about you. Strife is about being self-centered on my feelings, my emotions, my, 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 my. You know, and, and I get it. You know, people hurt your feelings. That's fine. You know, but you don't have to go there. Because he already told you, where there is strife, there's every, I'll give you the Pastor Box translation, where there is strife, there's every devil. So they, you know, we can talk about faith all day. We can talk about the love of God all day. But if we don't deal with this thing, your faith is dead. And Christians, will co you know, they'll come here to church, take great notes and everything. But as soon as they get, it's all about their hurt feelings. It's all about their emotions. It's all about this. Walking around with a chip on their shoulder about everything. You know, listen to me. You want to show that you're a mature Christian, deal with that. Thank you for the big renowned Yes. Because where there's less drama, there's more power. I know that 
sounds silly, but it is true. You start removing drama from your life, you're going to see an increase of power of the Holy Spirit. You start removing drama, you're going to see more love. It's so easy to love people when there's no drama involved. And the last one is more love, it's more peace. Amen? Now let's go back to the big one. I just want to show you that. Galatians 5, 6 says, when you're placed into the anointed one and joined to him, circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. He's talking about religious practices. Pay attention to this last thing. It says, all that matters now is living in the faith that is activated and brought to perfection by love. King James says it this way, faith worketh by love. Now let me, so to illustrate that point, I could say this way, automobiles worketh by gasoline. Pay attention now. Well, that's dumb, Pastor. No, it's not dumb, it's just to make a statement. You know, automobile worketh by gasoline. What does that mean? Faith worketh by love. You don't got love in your life? I don't care how much word you listen. Your faith's not going anywhere. He already told you, you, know, you, you have to have the, the influx of the word. Don't misunderstand me. You have to be hearing the word, hearing the word, paying attention. Sunday morning's not enough for you. I'm telling you right now, find a devotional, find something you can listen, download a podcast, do something during the week. But at the end, when it comes real is when you have an opportunity to either walk in love or not walk in love. And you don't realize it because our human nature tends to not walk in love, right? Because, again, somebody does us something, our first response is, I have to get even. My first response is, I have to react towards this. And God says, no, you don't. You want your faith to work, you walk in love. Well, what are, what are we talking about, Pastor Rox? Well, I'm not talking about loving, you know, an emotional kind of love. I'm talking about the agape love of God, which is, because this is where people misunderstand, and I'll clear up the point. It's just important to clear it up. So if somebody does you horribly wrong in your life, and trust me, I've heard all the stories. I've heard some horrible stories of abuse, emotional, verbal, and sexual, and all of it. And you say, how can you ask somebody that's been under that form of abuse to forgive somebody? It's, I'm not asking them to do anything. I'm just saying what the word's saying. But that person is under a responsibility to release that person through the only way they can release them is through the love of God. That doesn't mean they ever have to see them again. That doesn't mean they ever have to have lunch with them again. That doesn't mean they ever even have to wave at them. That just means that you, in the eyes of God, have to be able to say, that person is not my problem anymore. And as painful as it was what they did to me, I choose to forgive them and to release them. And then you can sit back and watch the show because now God's going to give them a chance to get their life right. But if they don't get their life right, the same God that gave them a chance for grace is the same God that will bring justice. That is the truth. I've, boy, I don't have time to share stories on that one, but I can tell you stories where I've seen that. You don't have to worry about anybody else and what, what's coming down the pipe for them. That's why Jesus said, pray for those that abuse you. Pray for those that wrongfully use you. Love those that curse you. Bless them. What is all that about? It's about your heart and your faith not being polluted. That's what it's about. It's, God wants you in a place where the blessing can flow freely through you to bless people. But if you're full of strife and anger and emotions and drama, it's just a big old plug. Amen. You don't, you, the, all this thing is plugged up in you, and you can have all this revelation and insight and, and I don't have time to do it, but Paul went into great extent in 1 Corinthians 13 to make this point. He said, if I, you know, if I, if, I, if I prophesy, if I sing, if I preach, but I don't have love, he says, I'm nothing. 
He said, I can, you know, you can preach and you can prophesy and not have any love. Because Paul says you can do it. There are some smart people that can preach a great sermon, but inside they're just mean as a rattlesnake. Amen. No, that love has to be, love of God is your protector. It's like a force field around your life. It just has nothing to do with letting people come in and abuse you again. Because I'm the first one to tell you, if somebody hurts you, you got no reason to ever be in their presence, but you do have a spiritual responsibility to let them go. And one of my favorite all-time stories is the story of Joyce Meyer. Of all the stories I've heard, to, to me, that's the one like, dude, no wonder she's where she's at. When you wonder, like, why Joyce is probably, if not the biggest female voice in the Christian community, possibly could be the biggest one ever, you go back and listen to her story. And you found out how, how in the world could she forgive her dad that abused her. I know there's kids in here, so I'm not going to get details, but you know what I'm talking about, from the age 6 to the age 18. How could she forgive him? That's pretty hard. And it took her years and years, but she got to the point where she released him. And guess what? At the end of that man's life, she sat at his bedside and led him to the Lord. Uh-huh. That's the, I got chills just saying that. That's the power of love. And then you wonder, why Joyce Meyer on all the TV channels? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You wonder why it's working for her? Because she was able to, and she tells you it wasn't that easy. I mean, I mean of all the things, I don't know. You know, I've never been dealt with something like that. I've, I've counseled people that have gone through stuff like that, but I've never dealt with that. I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> it's like, I'll kill you, then I'll forgive you, right? I mean, <laughs> no, it's not like that. It's just God is putting a greater demand on your life. Because faith, let me tell you, you need to be mature to operate faith. If you're, if you're a baby Christian, you don't get to operate faith because you'll do a mess with it. You know, the church was built by faith. This room was built by faith. I mean, what else do you want me to tell you? I mean, once you get on a, on a track to see my wife is alive because of, we believe, you know, we understood my granddaughter is alive. You know, all these things that faith created. They weren't here, but we saw it in the Word. And then, you know, once you put your request to God, God is like, okay, it's coming down the pipe. But then from, from let me put it this way, from prayer to manifestation, you have to stay in love. You can't afford to get out of love. You can't afford to be holding a grudge. You can't afford about being offended all the time. You can't afford it because, you know, God needs the avenue of, you, of the love of God working to bring the manifestation. And it will manifest. I'm going to tell you, this stuff works. So, you know, Galatians pretty lays it out there. All that matters now is living in the faith that is activated and brought to you perfection by love. Another way to illustrate it, my last analogy so you get it, those of you that, you know, work with stuff, you, you can buy, for example, you know, when I, if I say J.B. Weld, everybody knows what I'm talking about? And you know why it comes in two little packets? Because one needs the other. You can, you can put one packet, it doesn't do nothing, nothing, it doesn't fix anything. And you can squeeze the other one and it doesn't fix anything. But if you mix both of them, you better put it on it quick where it needs to go. Because it's, it's about to become weld, Right? But it's amazing how one reacts with the other one. And the same thing is, you, you know, you can't have love without faith, and you can't have faith without love. And if all you're going to major on is faith as a tool so I can get stuff and, and use it, you know, you're going to miss it because the, the gasoline of the system is the love of God. And the love of God is not the same love that we have by saying, well, I love my kids, I love my pets, I love... No, it is a love that can look beyond any hurt and still pray for that person. Amen? All right, let's finish this up. Matthew 
23, verse 36 through 40, Jesus speaking says, Master, he's answering a question, which is a question is in verse 36. They ask him, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Again, Jesus is operating his life and ministry in the Old Testament dispensation. I don't want to bog you down on that. But that the law was about works. Okay? That's the law depended on works. If you do, God does. Our dispensation doesn't depend on that. But now he said, Jesus said unto him, pay attention because he's about to give him the greatest commandment. He said, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. But then he says the second one is just like it. Just because we're giving it number two doesn't make it inferior commandment. He just says it's just like it. Look at the, ne look at the next commandment. What is it? You love your neighbor. And here comes the one that a lot of people sometimes miss even as you love yourself. You're supposed to love God. You're supposed to love your neighbor. And you're supposed to love yourself. Imagine that. And then he goes on these, on these two commandments, pay attention now, hang all the law and all the prophets. Well, think about the second part, prophets. This book was written by men inspired by the Holy Spirit. God didn't physically come down with a pen from heaven and write this. He used somebody to either tell a story, give us a history, try to log down what Jesus wrote. But this was written by men. But they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. So you could say that this book is a word of prophecy. In other words, prophecy doesn't, mean, doesn't talk about, prophecy doesn't mean speaking about the future. Prophecy means speaking for God. So these people are speaking for God. So all these people, Isaiah, for example, spoke for God when he said, and by his stripes we are healed. That's what Isaiah said. Peter takes that same scripture and quotes it in the New Testament. He says, and by his stripes we were healed. He brings it in the past tense because of the cross. Well, that scripture has everything you need to walk in health. But it was spoken by men. Yep, but it was spoken by an inspired man. So just because a man wrote it doesn't mean it didn't come from God. Are you, are you tracking? So you could say that this book now becomes a book of promises. Promises about your health, promises about your life, promises about your finances, promises about your future. Well, all this was written by somebody, and here's what, the, my whole point of that, that explanation is this. On these two commandments, those promises are hanging on it. In other words, if you don't follow this, that last scripture doesn't apply to you. Simple, right? Remember I told you that that's why I look at the Bible so simple? I've been, I've, <laughs> in a conversation I had with somebody on Facebook this week, they said, they said it's because you look at things too simple. I like to look at things simple because I'm not a complicated person. You know, just things have to be simple. This book was written for the simple man. You realize that this book was given into the hands of people that most of them couldn't even read? In the, a time in history when, most, when reading wasn't even a thing? <laughs> very, very, very few people could read this was created for people that could understand it. It took religion to make it a confused book. That's what people look at the Bible. I don't understand the Bible. You don't understand it because you don't read it. It's pretty easy to understand. So this whole book is hanging on the fact that, you can, that God loves you and that you're supposed to love people. And you're supposed to love yourself. That's the whole thing's hanging on it. In other words, if you can't walk in love, you don't get the benefits of the promise. 
Do I still get to heaven? I'm, I'm sure you do. I probably do. I don't think that's a debate thing. But you can get to heaven and, and still live a, live a very miserable existence down here. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a miserable existence down here. I don't want to wait to the sweet by and by and the pie in the sky and all that cool stuff. I want it now. I want to see the blessing manifested in my life. I want to be able to sleep at night knowing that God's in control. I want to be able to stand up like I did this morning and say, my gosh, God's been faithful for 30 years. You see, that, that, that's a lifestyle that I choose, and it does put a demand because you have to, I'm telling you, you go into auto-forgive. That's basically what I'm saying. You go into a place in your life where you're like, you know what? None of these things that are going around are worth what I can lose. You being ugly to me is not worth what God's going to do to me. You saying ugly things about me, it's not worth what God's doing to me. So I just choose to forgive you. I don't have to engage you. I don't have to hang out with you. I'm just not going to take it in. And, you begin, and there's so much freedom. There's so much freedom when you can walk in. I just call it auto-forgive because no, 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 nothing gets to you. The things bother, hurt you? Yes, of course, we're humans. There's things that hurt me and hurt my wife, you know, and, and it bugs us the way some people react, you know, when people leave the church for no apparent reason or, you know, it hurts us, but it, it's, not, it's nothing, you know, Joe, it's nothing that, that would qualify not forgiving them. Right? I mean, you know, you want to talk bad about my family? God bless you. You won't be part of my family, but I do forgive you. You know, you just let them go. Because I'm telling you people, I'm, I'm, I'm hammering this point in like over and over and over in your life so you get this. It's not worth it to hold a grudge. What you're losing is way more than what you think you're gaining. You're, what you're losing is huge compared to what you think. You're not gaining anything. The only thing you're gaining is a root of bitterness. You're just growing that bitterness and growing more bitter and growing more bitter, not enjoying life, and that's going to affect your health, and it's going to affect everything. It's going to affect every other relationship. Because you've noticed you can have a fight with somebody else, and you're all worked up about it, and you get home to the place where people actually love you, and because you've had such a bad day with this person, you just go and blow up in your house. Oh, I didn't get no reaction there. No, that does. Well, Lord, I guess we missed that one. That does not happen with this bunch. It happens to me. I had to pull it back. I was having a bad day a few weeks ago, just some work stuff related, and I came home, and I was barking at everybody, and the Holy Spirit pointed out that I'm not a dog. Amen. I was preaching way better than you guys are reacting this morning. And I had to be corrected. And I had to reel it back. Because my wife wasn't the problem. My grandson wasn't the problem. It was work-related stuff that I chose to bring it home. And, and that was a learning moment. So, you know, you say, Pastor, you've been doing this for 30 years. Oh, yeah, well, I'm always learning. <laughs> I'm always learning something new. And a lot of it goes around these lines and say, okay, you know, you, you, wanna, you want this thing to work. You better treat your, your, your wife. Right. You better not talk that way to your kids. Amen. You guys, all right. You guys want to go home, I know, after all this. Let me give you a couple more and we're done. Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. Some translations say love or God is love. And those who love are born of God. And I like this last one, pay attention, because you can read it this way, and those who choose the love walk get to know God. I don't know about you, but I think that should be like one of our goals in life, right? I mean, that was the, the biggest revelation that Paul said. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. He went from believing God into knowing God. And that's where I want to be. I don't, I don't want to just believe in God. I want to know him. 
Come on, somebody. And the only way you're going to know God is to become like God in, the, in your ability to walk in the love of God. Those who do not love do not know God. Let me help you with the word know. The word know translated, most common translation from the Greek, is the word koinonia, which means intimacy. See, religion will never give you intimacy. Religion will give you church building. Hello. Religion will give you a place to go. Intimacy means you're always connected. Once we finish this service, you're still as connected as you were then before the service started. Are you tracking with me? So you begin to really see what, what he says. He says, those who do not love do not enter into an intimacy with God. God still loves you if you don't love him back. But he's talking about the manifestation. This is not even about loving God. You realize it, right? Because this is what I'll be like, I just love God, but I hate you. No, it don't work that way, sunshine. <laughs> it's like, you know, you hang around ministers, and we use these, these old, worn-out jokes, but it's like, oh, ministry is awesome if it wasn't for the people. If it wasn't for the people, there would be no need for ministry, would it? No, we, we learn to navigate. And let me tell you guys, if you just get this very simple teaching this morning, you already got the faith part of it, begin to practice this. The more you practice it, the better you get. It's like playing guitar, it's like playing anything. The more you do it, the better you get. Are you going to get it today perfectly right? Probably not. And guess, I, I got a big one for you. You know what the devil's going to come after this week for you? He's going to come after this one. Because Mark chapter 4 says he comes after the word. So you probably have opportunities before you even get into your car to walk out of love. Or you'll get a text about some, you know, person saying, do you know what so-and-so said about you? I'm telling you, the devil, I'm, I'm pre preparing you so when you see that text or something that kind of leans into that, you're going to go, oh, that's what pastor said. And you can, t you, you can just text him back and say, really, I don't care. I love you. And I love them. And then send a bunch of little heart emojis, heart, 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 heart. That diffuses people. Next time somebody comes and say, oh, that's fine, I'm okay with that. They don't know what to do because they expect you to be reactive, right? React. And once you react, they feed more. And you react more and they feed more. And now they got this big fire and they're happy because they're watching you burn down. But if you don't react and you choose to do that, you're going to find out how quick the drama stops in your life. Amen? You get something out of all this this morning? <laughs> Praise God. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. We're done. Let's pray this word. We'll pick up our offering and get you out of here, and I'll beeline to Laredo. Starting March, we're going to move our, our service in Laredo, guys, just so you know. I'll have a little more time to, I don't like running out like that. I keep saying that, but we, we, we put the fix in, and first Sunday of March, we have a new schedule in Laredo so I can be here and not have to run like if I stole something, you know. <laughs> it's like we're always like, boom, get out of the church. I even have to park like that because y'all... Me, locked me in last time. I couldn't even get out. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, sir, for the word. And Lord, we are all under a commission now to obey this. We've heard it, so we are responsible for it. And Lord, there's not one in this room except you, Jesus, that is perfect. And there's not one in this room except you, Jesus, that's got it all together. We all need grace. Do you believe that, church? We all need grace. We all need grace. We, we are not called to judge anybody. 
But Father, give us the grace to love the unlovely. Give us the grace to release forgiveness to the unforgivable. Because that's not our call, God. Jesus, you died for everybody, for the good, the bad, and the ugly. You died for all of them. And I just thank you, Lord, that you died for me, Jesus. I take grace this morning, and I place it over our lives. I want you to say this prayer with me, just in case you're in the building, you don't know Jesus. This is the way you get to heaven, all right? Very simple way. You invite him into your heart. That's you this morning. If you're watching me online, if you're in the building, you've never made that prayer, very simply make a prayer, very easy prayer. Remember, but it's not even the prayer that gets you saved, it's the heart. If you believe that you need Jesus in your life, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe that Jesus died and was resurrected from the dead, you're qualified. All you have to say is now, I invite you, Lord. Say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you with no excuses. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, even the ones I do not remember. I just call out to grace. I call out to you, Jesus. Come into my life. Let me be part of your life. Said that? Go ahead and say, said that? I know I'm born again, and heaven is my home. Amen. Keep your eyes closed. See, right now, every, everybody is in the same place, including myself. What are you going to do with the message? It's up to you. But the love of God is now, the Bible says, is shed upon your heart. And, and I want to do this because I, I was about to close the, the service, but I, the Holy Spirit, you know, kind of stopped me. There are people in this building that you've been hurt deeply. And the Holy Spirit knows your pain. You've been betrayed. Some of you were betrayed by people you loved unconditionally. I'm just going, well, the Holy Spirit is showing me. So you just, that's you. Nobody's going to be coming up here, nothing like that. But the Lord knows who you are. And it's more than one person. And God's going to give you an opportunity to walk out of this building completely free of that pain. The memory's not going to disappear of what they did. But the pain will disappear. The anger. The thirst for vengeance. God's got this. You just got to trust him. And I, what I want you to do is I'm going to pray. I'm going to do one last little prayer on this, then we're going to pick up our offering. You pray for that person right now. In your mind or silently. You know who you are. I don't know who you are. I got my eyes closed. I'm not looking around at anybody. But God wants you free. God wants you to experience life where you don't have to go to sleep full of hate full of anger and ideas of how am I going to get back to these people. No, that's God's business now. You're his, he loves you. And just like any other heavenly father, he'll give these people an opportunity to get their life right, and if they don't get it right, he will put justice on them. That is Bible. He said it. In Romans, he said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. But guess what that means? That means vengeance is not yours, and you don't get to repay it. But you know how you process that? You forgive and you walk in love. Let's do that real quick. If that's you, make sure you pray this prayer. Say, Father, I choose to release. Now, what's coming next? That's between you and God. Fill in the blank. Maybe it's a bunch of names. Go ahead. You can, you can play some music in the background. I think it's a personal moment for some of you. I choose to release. Say it. I choose to release. And then put the name right there, whoever that person is. 
Lord Jesus, say this, Lord Jesus, just like you forgave me and never asked me anything, I choose to forgive them. I use the love of God as the tool of forgiveness. I can't do it, but the love of God can do it. And I release these people, and I bless them. I pray for their families, do it. Pray for their marriages. I pray that they have a good future. But most of all, God, I pray that they meet you because they need you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that I have the ability now to release these people. No more pain, no more anxiety over this. I am done. I forgive the way I was forgiven. Amen. Now, why don't you give the Lord a big hand clap after that. Woo, that was good. Glory to God. You may be seated for a moment. I'm going to get you out of here really quick. Well, I was going to share something, but we don't have time. You guys can put the slide up. Um, again, for those of you that are new or for those who are watching us online, by the way, I do want to do a shout out. I don't want to say names because I don't want to hurt people's feelings or get them, but there's people online. You know who you are that you're, we haven't even met, but you're partners to our church. You live even outside of the state of Texas and you've been a blessing to the church. We just want to say thank you so much. We don't take any of that for granted because at the end of the day, what keeps this church going and keeps us moving is two things. Two things, really. What are the two things, Pastor? You, people, and money. <laughs> I mean, as sad as it is, but, you know, that it is what the resource, but God set the system so you to prosper. God set the system. And when you make a decision to walk in love and you make a decision to be a blessing, you always have something to give. It is amazing how this works. So just do whatever you do. Just, you know, just encourage you. Your, your money, as it does, I say this every time, is blessing the nation of Cuba, which is in desperate need. We, we want to send money back down this week. Thank you all that are partnering with Cuba. We keep the doors open in Puebla, Mexico Church. It's funny that I say the door is open. They're locked down again, but we're still paying the rent because we have a great, great location. We don't want to lose it. Um, hopefully, they'll open the churches again, but they're in lockdown. Cuba's in lockdown also. They don't have church services. But, you know, your money blesses. It's not, it doesn't just pay the light bills here, but it, it pays everything. And so thank you for your partnership, you know. But the thing is, you know, you, when you give to church, you're not giving to church. You're giving to God. Remember that. You're giving to God. And don't be overly concerned because I know... All I can tell you about our church is check the fruit. That's all I can tell you. Because I'm the first person that knows there's people that do unrighteous things with money and scheme and scam. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if you can't see the fruit, don't give it. <laughs> if you want to see the fruit, just look around. Look at the people, look at Cuba, look at all the stuff that's going on. But here's the key. God wants to use you as an instrument of the blessing. That's all he wants to use. But the instrument of the blessing is simple obedience. And that's when you, when you begin to process your responsibility over the tithing and over giving and so forth and so on. And it's a revelation. I don't expect people to walk in the church and get it. You just, just like everything else, you begin to understand it. You begin to meditate. Because it's not easy to talk about the tithe. Most people right now, you know, they're crunched down to the penny, you know, during all the crisis. But the tithe is still the tithe, right? I mean, it's still a dime on every dollar. It's, you know, I don't care how you look at it. And that's the beauty of the system. The, the person that has no money but is a tither has the same privileges as the person that is a millionaire and is a tither. In the eyes of God, it's still a dime of every dollar, you know? So in your walk with Christianity, I would never say, is this a have to? No, it's not a have to, but it is a covenant exercise that works. 
In the Old Testament, you have to. In the New Testament, you don't have to tithe. Do you go to heaven? Yeah, of course you go to heaven. Tithing is not tied to heaven, but it is tied to money. Hello! And if you're over here saying, well, I'm always broke, maybe you should check that area of your life. Or maybe you can have a lot of money, but it just, like we said, you know, it just disappears. I would start with that. I would start immediately and say, okay, where am I with this part of covenant? So, you know, again, do what you need to do. We'll, we'll talk about that further down in the year. We'll do more studies on, on just biblical prosperity and so forth. But just like everything, you know, it's covenant. And thank you guys because your money like, really does make such a big difference, you know. Time will only tell, and for most of you, probably heaven will only tell because, you know, one of my dreams would be to take most of you or some of you or all of you to Cuba and, and really see what, it, what, what you're doing, you know. I was glad that our team was able to go, Miriam and Araceli and, and Janice and Angie went a couple years ago. And um, did it change your perspective a little bit, Janice? Because it's easy to talk about it, right? And, she, and she's like their neighbors, Puerto Rico and Cuba, you know, it's almost the same. But once you actually get there and you see the difference that you guys are making, their, by the way, let me tell you this as a testimony, their children's ministry has absolutely exploded in Cuba. But you know what? It didn't explode till y'all went. They've always been having church. They've always had kids. But when our team went there specifically to sow a seed into the kids' ministry, listen to Pastor Joel's testimonies. I don't know if he's shared some of those with you guys. There's kids everywhere. They don't know what to do with all these kids now. But it was because of that seed. Well, you know what? They, they had to buy tickets. They had to raise money. They had to go down. You know, they didn't get anything for free. But now you begin to see money is just a tool of the blessing. That's all it is. It's one more way to bless people. So again, thank you for your partnership. Thank you for what you do. You know, there will never be a high-pressure offering in this church. I promise you that. Well, as long as I'm the pastor, if you all fire me, get somebody else, that, that promise is gone, all right? Go ahead and stand to your feet, and I'll pray for you. And we'll dismiss the service. And I'm still a good time. I'll make it fine to Laredo, so I'm not, I'm not trying to rush this. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the word today. We thank you for what it has accomplished. We thank you for where it went. I believe with all my heart, Father, that the word went to where it has to, that we have a mandate to be lovers of you, but also to produce love around us, to just love people, to just bless people, not to get drowned in drama, Father. I also thank you for seeds that are being sown, Father, that these people, if they could only see what their money is doing, I know they would change it. But I thank you, Lord, that we're blessing nations, we're blessing our communities. And we thank you, Lord, that, you know, this week, as difficult as it has been for many, Father, we were still in a blessed place, that we weren't under some of the terrible things that have happened up north and still are going on. And we just pray right now for those people. Come on, just do a prayer right now for people that are still without light, they're still without water. There's good people that have passed away through this, through this weather attack. And Lord, we bless those people all throughout the state of Texas and other states, Father, that are dealing with just adverse circumstances. We pray for the blessing. We pray for quick recovery. And again, Lord, we continue to thank you that we are under the covenant protection of Psalm 91. And we thank you that we believe that 2021 is going to be a great year. Even though this week had a few setbacks, we're still excited about what you're doing, Lord. And we bless you and we love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.